holy desire This place and time That I might seek and find my God My God to 2018. How's it going? Yeah, pretty good. Bulldog fans? <laughs> Michelle's not here to bark on the front row this morning. Uh, but yeah, so Bulldog fans, I know we're feeling pretty good as we kick off this new year. Falcons fans? They're not here. They're all out. They're all out. Still trying to wake up from celebrating last night. And uh, other people, I hope you've been having a good year, a kickoff to 2018. 
Um, we had a great experience last week, if you were here with us on New Year's Eve, as we kicked off kind of this New Year in prayer as a church. And um, if you didn't have a chance to put your prayers of hope on this back wall, it's still available. So you can um, write your prayers there, and I hope you'll sign up for the prayer vigil, as we mentioned. Um, but I love the New Year. I'm one of those people, I, I try to take time at the beginning of each year to look back at the past and kind of see where I've been and um, then look to the future of where I'm going and set goals and resolutions. And I'm one of those people who sets resolutions. So this year I'm going to tell you my resolutions so that you can hold me accountable um, to live them out. And so the first one is to, to be healthier, to eat less and exercise more. That's a pretty common one. Second one is to read more. And the third one is to finish my sermons earlier in the week. And now, that, my wife is clapping here. My wife is clapping here. It helps her Fridays when, I, when I'm done with my sermons earlier. Um, but some of you, you probably don't have that last one as one of your resolutions. But if, if this church is kind of representative of our nation at all, over half of you have set resolutions for this new year. And a bunch of you haven't. And on Facebook this week, I posted, you know, who set resolutions and a few people from the church said they don't set resolutions because they don't like to fail. And that's a lot of people too, right? It's like, hey, you know what? I'm not going to even try to do that for myself. Um, but when you look at the top resolutions for our country, they're pretty interesting. I mean, the number one resolution that people have, there's a tie for first place, and one of them is pretty common. It's becoming healthier, right? The diet, the exercise, the eating less, all that kind of stuff. That's a common one. Um, but then another one, according to this poll, that was tied for number one, was that Americans said they want to become a better person this year, want to grow in love and patience and kindness and kind of grow in all of those different areas, which I thought that was cool. And then um, another one that jumped up a large percentage this year was people who had resolved to get a new job in 2018 or a better job in 2018. If that's you, say amen. <laughs> not, okay, you don't want to out yourselves here. That's okay. Um, but then, you know, other people said, hey, I want to cut down on smoking. I want to use my phone less. I want to save more money, spend less. A lot of the common ones. And you know what? It's the beginning of the year. It's the first week. And so if you're a resolution setter right now, you're probably feeling pretty good, right? You're like seven days in. Or you know what? It's like, hey, I don't have to start yet. School hasn't started back. I'm going to start back on Monday. You know, you kind of like, you kind of get going, but you're feeling pretty good and confident. But if you've never set resolutions and this is your first year, let me just tell you something, what happens towards the end of January. You hit the second week of January, kind of slows down a little bit. Hit that third week and you just can't bear to order any more salads on the menu. And, you know, it just hits the fourth week of January and you know what, you haven't been that nice to people, and, and you just say, you know what, I'm just going to be my old self, it's okay. And you know, it just happens that way. A lot of us, as you kind of get into the new year, and life gets busy, school gets back in session, work gets crazy, a lot of resolutions we just kind of give up on. And in a large area of our lives, that's okay, right? I mean, if we've resolved to read more, and we don't, well, okay, you know, it is what it is. If we've resolved to, to be healthier and to be physically fit, and at the end of 2018, we don't look like we have the body for the cover of a magazine, like, that's okay, right? But then there's this whole area of resolutions that people have to become a better person, to become more loving, more patient, more kind, more generous, to serve other people in the new year. Those resolutions, well, those are actually things that God desires for us, that God wants for us. And so I don't think we should give up on those types of resolutions as easily. I don't want to let you or I don't want to let us off the hook in this new year 
of living as the people God wants us to be. And so in January and early February, we're going to be in this sermon series called First Things First, where we're going to be looking at different priorities in our life, and we're going to be seeking to make God's priorities our priorities as individuals and as a church together. And we're going to be looking at how we can live those priorities out in our everyday life. And now, if you've been in church a while and you identify as a Christian, that is, a follower of Jesus Christ, then you know that one of God's desires for us is to live like Jesus Christ. To follow Jesus Christ means to imitate Him, to become like Him. And so that means becoming a person who's full of love for God and for other people. It means becoming a person who's patient, who's kind, who's generous. It means becoming all of those things. Yet, like most of our resolutions we have, we struggle to live that out on a daily basis. And I don't think I'm the only one that struggles with this. We all do. And a lot of times when we struggle with becoming the person God wants us to become, living like Jesus, what we do is we let ourselves off the hook. And we say, you know what? I'm only human. But here's the thing, is that Jesus was also human. Jesus was fully human, and Jesus was also fully divine. And Jesus, in his humanity, in his everyday life, he faced a lot of the same challenges we do. He faced temptations just like you and I do. People were always coming at Jesus, trying to get a piece of his time, trying to get something from him, stopping him. People were always testing Jesus and trying to trap Jesus. Ultimately, people were after Jesus' life. He faced a lot of mess in this world. And yet, in the midst of it, he lived as a person of perfect love. He exuded patience, kindness, generosity, and love towards all people. Jesus, when he walked this earth, really lived as the better person that all of us deep down yearn to be. And so this morning, we're going to be looking together at how Jesus lived his life so that we might learn a little bit of how we might can live our lives more like him. And if you're not familiar with Jesus' life, the best place to start is in the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. If you don't have a Bible, we have free Bibles out there at the Welcome Center. We'd love for you to grab them. And if you don't have a New Year's resolution, this is a great thing to do in the new year, is to simply start reading through the New Testament about Jesus' life. And when you read in the Gospels, you discover some interesting things. I mean, you find that most of what we know about Jesus comes from a three-year span of his life as an adult when he was engaged in public ministry. We don't read a lot of stories about his childhood or his adolescence. We have a few. But most of the information we know about him is from him as an adult. And during this time, we find Jesus doing a lot of things. We find him preaching and teaching. We find him healing other people. We find him casting out demons. We find him reaching out to the least, the last, and the lost. Ultimately, we find him crucified upon a cross and then rising from the dead. We have this whole span of Jesus' life in the Bible, and there's a common thread that runs throughout his life. And I want to talk to you about that thread this morning. And I'm going to read a few verses from the Gospels just to see if you can pick up on this thread. I mean, it's not that going to be that hard to figure out from the verses I've chosen. And I'm going to start in Mark chapter 1, verse 35, here at the beginning of Jesus' ministry. Here's what Mark writes. 
Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. So we find Mark telling us that. Then when we go over to Luke's gospel in chapter 5, after Jesus has been healing people, we see him calling the disciples. All of this stuff's going on in his life. And then we find this interesting kind of aside from Luke. Luke says this, Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and he prayed. And then at the end of Mark's gospel, Mark chapter 14, before Jesus goes to the cross, before Jesus is arrested that night, he's in the garden of Gethsemane. And he's there with some of his disciples. And he separates himself from them a little bit. And what does he do? He goes and he prays. He spends time with his heavenly father. And when you read the gospels, you'll find this thread running throughout them from when Jesus is a child and we find him in the temple until the end of his life. And this is really interesting because this is Jesus, the most powerful person in the world. Jesus, the person who has transformed nations, cultures, and people for the last 2,000 years. This is Jesus who lived a life full of love, who died on the cross for you and for me. And what we find is that Jesus regularly went away from the crowds and other people and he spent time with his heavenly father. And if you think about that, that's a little strange, right? Because Jesus is fully human and he's also fully God. And yet, he's going and he's spending time with God, with his heavenly father. Jesus, the person in this world who could have done everything on his own, on his own power, on his own strength and his own wisdom, and yet he chose not to. Instead, he chose to rely on God's power, God's strength, God's wisdom, working through him. He chose to spend intentional time with his heavenly father so that he could continue to do his ministry, so that he wouldn't rely on himself, but on this relationship he had. You see, before Jesus did the work of God, he spent time with God. Before Jesus did the work of God, he spent time with God. And as Jesus did the work of God, as he lived a perfect life, what we call in the church a life of holiness, a life full of love for God and other people, he did this after spending time with God. And as he did this, he called disciples and he said, hey, I want you to follow me. I want you to live like me, to learn from me, to know salvation. I want you to know transformation and to live holy lives as well. And Jesus, when you read the Gospels, you'll find this. You'll find that he didn't tell the disciples, hey, follow me, make a few tweaks to your life, make a few resolutions each year, try a little bit harder, and then you're going to be transformed. He didn't say that. No, instead, Jesus said, hey, if you want to be like me, if you want to do my work in the world, then the first thing you need to do is to spend time with me. He said that his disciples, and it's the same thing for us. If we want to live like Jesus, we need to first spend time with Jesus. And in the Gospel of John, Jesus uses the metaphor of a vine and branches of the vine to help illustrate this. Here's what he says in John chapter 15, verse 5. 
He says, I am the vine, and you are the branches. If you remain in me, and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Here Jesus is saying, you can't do it on your own. You can't live a better life now on your own. You can't be transformed on your own. You can't love people on your own. You can't be the person I want you to be and do my work in the world on your own. Instead, you need to be constantly connected to me. You need to be in constant communion. Some translations use the word abide. You need to abide in me. You need to regularly, consistently, and constantly spend time with me. And as you do, God's grace will be poured out upon you and I will give you strength. I will give you power. I will give you grace that will transform you. You see, it's as we spend time with Jesus that God transforms us and we become the people God wants us to be. And here Jesus is putting first things first because the order of these things is important because if we're trying to live like Jesus in this world, and do good things in his name, and yet we haven't been with him, then what we're going to do is we're going to get burned up and we're going to get burned out. But the good news is that Jesus, he says, come to me. Come to me, all you who are tired, who, who are heavy, who are just feeling burdened. Come to me and I will give you rest. You don't have to do this on your own. I'll give you rest. I'll give you salvation. I'll give you God's grace, which can transform you. And so this morning, as we kick off this new year, and we're trying to become the people God wants us to be, I want us to put first things first. And I think one of the first things we need to do in our lives is to respond to God's love and Jesus' invitation to come to Him and to spend time with Him regularly. Because everything we're going to talk about in this series, everything we're going to do as a church flows from spending time with Jesus. And really, all that we are flows from that relationship with Jesus as well. And so this morning, if you have your bulletin on the back of it, you'll see a spot for some sermon notes. I'm going to give you three things that you can do that hopefully will be helpful as you seek to spend time with Jesus and grow in your relationship with Him in this new year. And the first thing that I want to encourage you to do is to be intentional. Be intentional. Our relationship with Jesus and spending time with Him and growing in it is like a lot of things in life. If we're not being intentional about it, it's probably not going to happen. Because we live in a crazy busy world and people are always vying for our time and we're getting pulled in many different directions. And Jesus was the same way. And if you look at the Gospels, you'll notice from those passages and other passages, Jesus was intentional. He had a plan for spending time with God. I mean, we notice some common words here. Very early, while it was still dark, Jesus withdrew. Going a little further, he separated himself. And we get this picture that Jesus regularly went away from the crowds, went away from his other disciples, got alone, and spent time with his heavenly Father. And I think we're called to do the same. We're called to, in a sense, withdraw and to spend that same regular time with God. And when we do it, we need to be intentional about it. And the best way I know for you to be intentional is to have a specific time, a place, and a plan for growing in your relationship with Jesus and spending time with Him. 
I mean, if you look at, at Jesus for time, we often find him praying early in the morning or late in the evening. Why do you think that it was? I think it was because Jesus faced the same obstacles we do. Noise, hurry, crowds. And early in the morning and late at the night, you can kind of get away from it. And so for a lot of us, that's probably going to be the best time for us to spend time with Jesus as well. Maybe for you, you're a morning person. Then you can spend the first 15 minutes of your day before you start responding to email, before you look at all the Facebook notifications and invitations to Candy Crush games and stuff like that. Before you do all of that, spend some time with Jesus. But also, this is going to look unique for every person because not everybody's a morning person. And I don't want you to just become resentful and angry every morning. So if it's you and you like to spend time at night, you like to stay up a little bit later, it's okay to spend time in the evening with Jesus and growing your relationship with God there. Or maybe you live a crazy life and your house is just like a zoo. Maybe for you, the best time is in your car on your lunch break. Maybe that's a time when you know every day regularly you have some consistency. Whatever it is for you, it's going to look different for all of us. Seek and find that time that where most days it won't get pushed out. Where you can say, Jesus, this is the time I'm going to spend regularly with you. And once you find a time, I would encourage you to find a place. My place is often at my kitchen table, in my den, or in my guest room. It's typically away from any computer screens or books. Because when I'm surrounded by a computer screen and a book, you know what my mind does? It starts making to-do lists. And so I have to get away. And so for you, maybe that's some lazy boy in your house. Maybe it's in the old nursery nobody's using anymore. Maybe it's in your car. I don't know. But finding a place that's free from distraction, where you can get away from the noise, is crucial. And having a consistent time and a consistent place helps you each day not have to think about these things of where am I going to go today? Am I going to go here? Am I going to go there? What time is it going to be? Having a rhythm helps make it a habit and it helps lead to consistency in your relationship with Jesus. And then finally, I'd encourage you to make a plan as you're being intentional. Have a time, a place, and a plan. And at a big level, your plan should include spending time talking with Jesus through prayer and spending time listening to Jesus through prayer and through his word. And if you're not sure what to pray or how to pray, I'd love to talk with you about that. That's, that's like a whole other sermon series. But I'd love to help you. A lot of people here would love to help you. But as you're starting off praying, simply just talk to God. Tell Him what's on your heart. And as you seek to listen to Jesus, I'd encourage you to open up God's Word and spend some time reading it. Some people in the new year, they try to take a, a big, big, broad look at it and go through the Bible in a year or in half a year, and there's a lot of plans out there for that which are great. Other people try to dig in a little bit smaller and maybe do a chapter a day or a few verses at a time or read a devotional book. Whatever works for you, I would say just try that. Try that as you make a plan, but try to have an intentional plan that you set out on so that each day you can spend consistent time with Jesus. And now I know for some of you that might feel a little bit like a straitjacket, right? You're like a time, a place, a plan. That's like a lot to think about and do. But I'll just say this, that people don't typically drift into a closer relationship with Jesus Christ. It doesn't just happen on its own. It takes intentionality. And as a church, um, some of you know kind of our history. We're Harvest Point United Methodist Church. 
And the word Methodist there, originally, it was a label, a derogatory label for the group of people who later became known as Methodists. John Wesley, the founder of Methodism, and some of his friends, when they were in college in the 1700s, they began to seek after Jesus in a profound way. And so every day at the same time, they would read their Bibles. They would pray. Every week they would fast. They would go and visit people in prisons. They would go be generous and give away their money to the poor. And they were so consistent with it that their other friends in college, not necessarily friends, but other people in college began to mock them and call them Methodists because they were so methodical in how they were spending their time with Jesus and pursuing him. And now the joke is on them, right? Because now around the world, there are thousands and thousands of Methodist churches. People who are descendants of this revival that they helped begin as they were methodical, as they were intentional of spending time with Jesus on a daily and a regular basis. And I want you to experience that power. I want you to experience that revival in your life as well. And the first thing I know that you should do is to be intentional about it. And the second thing I think you should do is that in your time with Jesus, you should simply be real. To be real. Open up your whole heart to God. When we look at the prayers of Jesus, we find him doing this. In Jesus' prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane in Mark chapter 14, here's what we read. Going a little further, he fell to the ground and prayed to God, if possible, that this hour might pass from him. Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me. Yet not what I will, but what you will. Jesus faced the ups and downs as well. Jesus was sent into this world to live and to die and to rise again for us and for our salvation. And yet here, just before he's arrested, he's opening up his whole heart to God. And he's being real. And ultimately he's saying, God, not my will, but your will be done. And God wants us to do the same thing. He wants us to open up our hearts and to express exactly what we're thinking and feeling to him. And this is kind of funny, right? Because God already knows what we're thinking. He already knows what's in our hearts. He, he's seen our past. He's seen our future. He knows. But he still wants us to spend time with him and to communicate with him. Because communication in a relationship leads to intimacy in a relationship. Those of you with children, you know this. If you have a child, you generally know where they go each day. And now, I mean, this is like weird new stuff, but like you can track them on their phones and stuff all day long and see exactly where they went. So for some of you, you know that in the morning they get on the bus. They go to Mrs. Smith's class, and then they go to art, then they go to lunch, and they go to specials, and then they do all this stuff, and they get on the bus, and then they come home. And maybe for you, the teacher might even call you and tell you about your child's day and say how good it was or how bad it was. But when your child comes home and your child tells you what they've seen and what they've heard and what they've experienced, it's different. Your relationship with them grows as they open up their heart to you and share with you what's going on, even though you might already know. 
And it's the same thing with God. He wants us to bring our whole selves to him so that we can grow closer. And one of the things I often tell people when I'm doing pastoral counseling with them is to not be afraid to tell God exactly what you're thinking and feeling. If you're feeling joyful and thankful, well then do a little dance, maybe sing a song if that's you. Give God praise and thanksgiving. But if you're angry at God, tell God you're angry at him. You can even yell at God. If you're feeling sad and down and like you've been abandoned by God, tell God. Express that to Him. If you're feeling resentful at different situations in your life, tell God. Here's the thing. God is big enough to handle it. He can take it. He already knows you're thinking and feeling it. He can take it because here's the thing is when you're expressing to God what's going on in your heart and in your life, then the lines of communication are open. And God can take the good things and he can increase them. God can take the bad and the ugly things and he can redeem them. But it's when in our relationship with God and when we're with Jesus that we begin to offer up superficial prayers. That we begin to close ourselves off, turn in on ourselves and begin to avoid things. That's when the relationship grows cold. So be real. Be real with Jesus and tell him exactly what's on your heart and on your mind because he will meet you right where you are. And the third and final thing I want to encourage you to do is to simply begin. Just begin. Start today, this afternoon, this evening. Start tomorrow. Just start somewhere. You don't have to have your perfect time, place, and plan figured out. Just go for it. Because one of the problems we have with New Year's resolutions is that we have this all or nothing thinking. We think, okay, I've got to have it all figured out. I've got to have all of this stuff good. And then once I do, then I'll begin. But then once we begin, you know what? We come to church and we eat a biscuit and then we say, you know what? Who cares? I'm just going to go get queso at lunch today, right? We just give up on our diets when we slip up a little bit. Or, you know, we plan to have a quiet time with God to begin spending time with Jesus, and we hit it today, and we hit it tomorrow, and we're like, man, Jonathan was so inspiring. And then on Tuesday, it's back to school, and you miss it. And then you're like, well, it's just, just the old times. And then one day turns into two days, and then after three days, you feel kind of ashamed, and you feel a little guilty. But when you fall off, just begin again because God is always there. Jesus is always beckoning to us, come. Come, I want to talk with you. I want to be with you. I want to spend time with you. He's always saying that to us. He's always wanting to spend time with us, no matter how long it's been. And when you begin, also, don't be afraid to begin small. If in 2017... You didn't run at all. Planning to run five miles tomorrow probably isn't the wisest choice. It's probably not going to go that well. And so if this is something new for you or a little bit different from you, you know, I would say don't plan tomorrow morning to spend two hours with Jesus because it might be a little ambitious. Just start small. Start where you are. Start with five minutes and let your time with Jesus grow as your relationship with Jesus grows. Just begin. He's not waiting for us to get everything figured out, to get everything cleaned up. 
He's not waiting for us to have the perfect plan. He's simply waiting for us because he loves us and he wants to meet us, to give us rest and to give us his grace which can transform us into the people that he wants us to be. And I know it's only January 7th, but a lot of you right now are probably feeling like this glass vase right here. You're probably already feeling a little bit empty, maybe a little bit tired. Work has started again. Now you're just thinking about Tuesday and the kids going back to school. Maybe you're a teacher and you're dreading tomorrow. But here's the thing is when you feel like this and your life is like this, that's an okay place to be. Because God is able to fill empty vessels. God is able to work in powerful ways when we're empty and when we're open to Him. And when we spend time with Jesus, I have 365 rocks here. When we spend time with Jesus for one day, we open up ourselves to God's grace and it comes to us and it begins to transform us. After one day, it doesn't really look like much, right? And there's two days. Then there's a week. But then there's a month. adding up and then month after month after month these consistent deposits over time add up to something significant they add up to something big what they do is they add up a transformed life. A life that reflects Jesus and who God wants us to be in the world. Consistent deposits over time add up to something big. So don't be afraid to start small, to begin opening up yourself to God because God can use that time and God can use you day after day for his good work in the world. Amen.
God, at the beginning of this new year, we come to you. We say to you this morning personally that we want to build our lives upon your love. Because, God, it's the only sure foundation in this ever-changing world. God, we also come before you as a church this morning, corporately, as your people, Harvest Point, and we say to you that we want to build our church upon your love. Because it is the only sure foundation. So God, help us in this new year as a church to trust you with all that we have and all that we are. And God, as we go out from this time today after spending time with you, your son, Jesus Christ, and the power of the Holy Spirit, God, I pray that you would empower us to do your work in the world. And God, I pray that you would bring us safely back here next week as we continue to seek to grow in you and to make your priorities our priorities in life. God, we thank you for this day and for your great love and most of all for your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, Harvest Point, I hope you have a great week and that you'll come back and join us next week and don't forget to sign up for the prayer time out in the lobby. See you soon.